0: This bloke I just love talking to, but you never know where he is. And the pool stage of the UEFA Champions League wraps up tomorrow at 4.55pm uh, Australian Daylight Savings Time. Every match is exclusive and ad-free, live and on demand. Around the grounds we go. Mark Bosnich. Boser, how are you, mate?
1: Good afternoon, Joel. Afternoon, Andrew. How are you, mate? Where do we find you this Very fine good. afternoon?
2: Uh, on the way to uh, my son's football training out to Daisyville. So we're in the car on the way out there. Um, so he's uh, he's finished his little mini tournament. They have he's only six and, and they finished their training up uh, on second last training sessions today. Last training is on Friday. So there we go.
0: Tell you what we need to do. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, remember that game we used to play on the Commodore 64 called Where in the World Has Carmen San Diego? And there'd be a few clues. Yes. I saw this guy who was in this colour car and he was heading this way and he said this. We need to do this before the Boza segments, I reckon, to find out exactly where he is. Uh, Bozza, Champions League this morning. What was the mop-up?
2: Well, the mop-up, unfortunately for Manchester United supporters uh, like myself, was that they didn't qualify, Ooh. and they didn't even qualify coming in third to go into the to drop down to the Europa League. They actually finished fourth by losing to Bayern Munich one nil at Old Trafford, and the performance, what to be honest, was okay. Um, but uh, the bottom line is it wasn't really lost this morning. It was lost in the games that they had against Galatasaray in Copenhagen recently. But it's a disaster for Manchester United because any any well even football supporter who saw that group at the beginning, without no disrespect to Galatasaray and to Copenhagen, who have done absolutely fantastic, Copenhagen's qualified for their first knockout stage, only second one of all time, but their first one since two thousand and ten. Anyone would have said, you know, that should be Bayern Munich and Manchester United, no problem whatsoever. But the woes continue for 8-10 and his men, and the you know the, the challenges do not get any easier. They play Liverpool away. On Sunday, And that will be without quite a few of their players, including Bruno Fernandes. And after last night, it looks like Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw won't play as well. So some very big decisions to be made um, by the new uh, 25% stakeholder, Sir, Sir Jim Radcliffe, who's uh, bought into the club on the condition that he gets control of the football department. So the big question is going to be, as with any business, when new people come in, is he going to stick with Ten Hag? Or is he going to basically say, well, look, listen, we're going to go a different direction? I think a great indicator will be in January when the transfer window opens, will they back him in terms of the funds? If they do, then I think that they've got plans for him long term. If they don't, then it could well be said that the writing's on the wall. The one thing that will dictate pretty much immediately whether he goes or he stays, if he continues to lose game after game after game, uh, there will be no decision to make. He'll have to go.
0: Hey, Boz, eh? if you had to backtrack right... What was the defining point where you just thought once upon a time Manchester United were always going to be this absolute global powerhouse, and then it's just seemingly well and truly lost that same gloss. What would you put it down to? Does it coincide with Sir Alex Ferguson? Was there a player who left? What do you specifically pinpoint it to?
2: I, I definitely think it coincides with Sir Alex Ferguson retiring, but I think the malaise began a little bit earlier. I think it has to be said that when the glazers took over and they took on a, a massive debt i think that that was a mistake from the previous owner the edwards martin edwards family uh, to allow that to occur and manchester united are arguably the biggest sporting brand in the whole world and i don't really think that you should allow anyone to buy that brand servicing so much debt i mean in the in the early, i mean they're still paying a lot of interest on the debt that they have at the club but in the early years, it was something in the range of 80, like 85 £90 million pounds a year, just in interest alone. Now, there'll be a lot of finance people out there who will be saying, well, well, that's OK for a club of Manchester United stature. Yes, but you've got to understand in football, that money can be used to go and buy top players. Now, the, the malaise, license to Sir Alex Ferguson, has been gradual. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think there's no coincidence. And this is why I'm really reluctant for them to sack Ten Hag pretty much every two or three years since, since Ferguson's retired. They've come up with a new manager, yeah, and the whole thing has to change. I mean, and if if we look at the example, I say Liverpool. I mean, Klopp in his first season, I think finished eighth. Then he had two fourth place finishes. Then he started to really challenge. Mikel Arteta, who's now manager of Arsenal, you know, first two seasons eighth, eighth. Okay, he did win an FA Cup, it must be said. Then fifth. Then last season second. So the it, you know I would love to see them. You know, you know basically stand faster in the situation, stick by the manager. But like I said, it becomes so hard, Joel, as you know, in any sport, regardless of it's football, whatever, regardless of the – if somebody keeps losing, keeps losing, keeps losing, unfortunately for for managers all around the world, it's much easier to change them than it is to change the whole footballing team.
1: Do you think maybe they're a victim of their history of success in the sense that they've built up a supporter base that just expects success – and don't have the patience for the the rebuild phase that perhaps they need. Oh,
2: well, yes, and I mean yes and no. I mean the the Halcyon days uh, when they were the first English team to ever win the European Cup, now called the Champions League, uh, in in the late sixties. You know when they had you know the, the late uh, Sir Bobby Charlton, George Best, Dennis Law, and then after that they suffered a period in the seventies when they were actually relegated to the second division. So it's kind of happened before, but it, you know they've always been an absolutely massive club, and. You know, it was Liverpool for 20 years who had that success. that They dipped off for quite some. They didn't win the title then for, for, for over 20 years. And Manchester United are sort of heading in that direction. I mean, things do come and go in football. People just think that, you know, because there's no salary cap and because of the money, things are constant. It, it, it is a constant battle. I mean, even Manchester City right now, regardless of the backing that they've got are going through a poor period. But it just goes to show, like I said, although money can shorten the odds in terms of your chances of winning and winning major trophies. They don't guarantee it in our sport. And the, the thing is that people who are detractors from Eric Ten Hag will point to us that he has been given money to spend. But as I made the point this morning to the boys on the show, you know, they were interested for Harry Kane, who ended up going to Bayern Munich. You actually set up the goal today uh, for Kingsley Coman. The top players in the top ilk... Okay, so when it was my turn to leave and I wanted to go to a club where I I wanted to win major trophies, Manchester United is the top of my list. For the top players now, Manchester United are not the top of their list because they know at best at the moment, it looks as though they might win a a cup competition, a a league cup, an FA Cup, but they're not going to win one of the big ones, a European trophy, Champions League or a title. And that looks the case for the foreseeable future.
0: UEFA Champions League, as we said, wraps up tomorrow. Sport all across that. Boz, what are you most looking forward to tomorrow?
2: Well, there's there's only two places left to go into the last 16, Joel. Yep. So Group F, which was named the Group of Death beforehand, has lived up to expectations. So Borussia Dortmund have qualified. So it's going to be out of PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, Newcastle, AC Milan. And in the last group, Group H, uh, the, the big thing is going to be who's going to finish in second. Will it be Shakhtar Donetsk or Porto? Now we're going to try something that I don't think has ever been done on Australian TV before. We're going to have a thing called the football zone where we're just going to go from game to game to game pending on where the excitement is, you know, where it's about to happen. So we're going to be across, uh, across all games. It's it's going to be a first, I think for Australian television. So um, we'll be concentrating obviously on the group F because if Paris Saint Germain win, it's all over. They've qualified along with Borussia Dortmund. If Paris Saint Germain draw or lose and Newcastle AC Milan win whoever wins at a Newcastle AC Milan game are through so it's it's going to be it's going to be a real tight occasion I really hope because I really felt sorry for Newcastle last match day conceding that penalty to Paris which I didn't think it was a penalty right in and basically an added on time really do hope that Newcastle go through although they've been in very indifferent form recently it must be said but at home uh, up at St. James's Park in front of 60,000 people. They're, they're, they are so difficult to beat. I think that they'll win, but unfortunately for them, I think PSG will win as well.
0: Okay, on to the Premier League, boys. Tottenham bounced back, but they've had a tricky month they or did. so. Uh, Villa are flying. Go
2: Villa. Yeah. Go Aston Villa. You know, I must say... Uh, the only other, There was only two other times uh, that I've known to be feeling like this at Aston Villa, uh, and I was involved both times, especially back in the inaugural Premier League season of 1992-93. And we played Manchester United at home and beat them 1-0, and that was just before Christmas. And I thought, well, we've got a real opportunity here. We had some really experienced players who had won the title before, the likes of Kevin Richardson, Ray Hart and Steve Staunton, Dean Saunders, some really Paul McGrath, some really top players. We ended up having a title race with Manchester United and Norwich, Funny, but, uh, funny or not or uh, well, believe it or not, and ended up finishing second. The other time was in 98-99, where we went unbeaten for the first, I think it was like about 15, 16 games. But deep down, at 98-99 just didn't have the same feeling as we had in 92-93 that we could really win it. And they're a real opportunity. They beat Manchester City during the week. They beat Arsenal on the weekend. Uh, they've got a fantastic manager. They've got a very good spine on the side. And, you know, at home, they've just broken their home Premier League record of consecutive win. That win against Arsenal on the weekend was their 15th consecutive home win in the Premier League, which which has broken a record. And, you know, they're in the Conference League, which is the third-tier European competition, which they can afford to, Joel, Hmm. play their second-string side up until it gets to serious times around the last eight or so, which is an advantage because, you know, when games are coming thick and fast, it's all right when things are going well. But if they're not... It's amazing how many players all of a sudden pick up ailments or bruises or whatever, and they don't want to play. So, um, you know, so far as I'm concerned, this is going to be one of the most open title races there's been in a, in a long time, and Aston Villa are definitely a contender.
1: Ooh, I like that. I like yeah, that love thought. That. They're a contender. <laughs> so you think deep down they should have a crack and go for the title? Because that's what I've been telling for the, the boys in here.
2: Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. And you know what? The thing is, they've got nothing to lose. This is what makes them so dangerous. Nobody at the start of the season, a lot of people, including myself, thought they had a really good shot of getting into the top four, which would guarantee them Champions League football for next season. But no one, not even the most, I would say, ardent of Aston Villa supporters, thought about the title. So that's why they've got nothing to lose. And that's why they're going to be very, very dangerous for any side. And I spoke about St. James's Park, how difficult it is to go up there. Well, right now, Villa Park is a fortress as well. They're going to improve their away form. Out of the eight games they've played away from home, they've only uh, they've only stumped up 11 points, which is not good enough if you want to go and win the title. But like I said, I think it's going to be a very open title race. There's going to be teams that are taking points off each other. You saw, uh, you mentioned Spurs. You saw what they did to Newcastle, who got in the top four last season on the weekend. And regardless of their poor form in the last six games, where they've only won that one game, Joel. Ange Postecoglou's mm-hmm. side is still a dangerous side and one that you don't, you know, you, it's, it's not one you want to have to basically win, put it that way to win the title. So there's so many of those teams around and we haven't even got to the stage of the season as well, where there's going to be teams fighting for their lives to stay in the Premier League. So I think there's a lot of football. I know Liverpool's leading at the moment, um, closely followed by Arsenal. But like I said, I think Villa, I think Manchester City, I think all those four clubs are going to be in contention for the title come come May time.
1: Mate, that's. It sounds like it's going to be an exciting, uh, exciting rest of the season in the Premier League. Now, let's just. There's been a lot of excitement in rugby league over mm. the last day or yeah. so. Um, I, I, I'm sure you're across what's been going on with West Tigers. The board have been dismissed. Now yes. we've we've identified today that of the seven seats on the board, there's four independent seats that are going to be up for grabs. Mate, what I want to ask you, right. as the great sporting mind that you are, can yeah. we draft you in to a board seat for the West Tigers? <laughs>
2: Well, not a full-time one, but if they ever want any type of advice on anything, and remember, I've never played rugby league, although I'm fanatical about it, but what I have done is been at sporting clubs who have been successful. If they ever want any type of free advice, I'm always there to help because I just want Australian sports and Australian sporting teams to have the access to the best information possible. And I've been very, very fortunate to to basically be around that pretty much all my life. So I wouldn't be a full-time job. But I'm there if they need it. And I do believe that the West Tigers, with all their struggles, there's a competition is still better off with the West Tigers that are competing for things. Some of those results they've been having recently have been, well, last season, I think well, it was one game, was it, Joel, that they got mm. beat 60-24 true. or something like that. That is true. So it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not good. Now, I don't know in terms of the procedure what's going on there, how they've been able to turn around to the whole board and say, see you later or whatever. That's by the by. I'm there if they need. But I say that to all sports. I say that you know, I said that to, to people in AFL, whatever. If they ever need something, no problem. I don't like to go and impose myself on anyone because they, you know, and understandably people will say, Well, oh, hang on a minute, who do you think you are? And they they got a point with that. But if anyone asks, I'll always try to help.
1: All right, Gibbo, just send the, the note to the SEN web team that yes. Mark Bosnich has offered to take an unpaid board seat. He's gonna do it gratis for the West Tigers. Parts he's, on. he's put his <laughs> hand parts are oh, they're all parts yeah. on board seats, aren't they? I, yeah. I
2: I, I, I will say this. I'll give him a little hint right now. You know what really, really helps any any sporting franchise or club or whatever you want to call it? A winning side.
1: A winning side. Well, see, he knows what he's going to yeah. This about. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> I feel like you've got a plan already, Mark Bosnich. And he's going to do it for free, which is, you know what? Yeah. That's so generous. That's just
0: wonderful stuff. And uh, West Tigers be mad not to. Uh, Bozza, how's everything else going, mate? What's <laughs> happening away from the round ball?
2: Well, what's happening away from the round ball? I mean, well, you know, as you know, as people who will be listening know, when you've got two young kids—one twelve and one six—that's mm. a full-time job in itself. That's pretty True. much it.
0: That fair enough. Um, and
2: and other than that, we obviously we've got the cricket season coming up uh, against Pakistan. Um, but so far as it, it, me personally is concerned, the round ball is is all all-consuming right now, especially now. And this will be as well the last time the Champions League for over since it's been the Champions League for over. For what 30 years since 1992, that we'll see the eight groups of four Joel. So exactly. from the next season onwards, it'll be four groups of nine, um, and that'll mean an extra four match days. So what will occur is obviously the teams will be seated into those into those groups, and you'll play two games from each of the groups, including your own group. So you play two teams from the from the from your own group, and two teams from the from the other three groups, and then it's going to be a complete league table. So 1 to 8 will go straight into the round of 16 mm-hmm. 9 to 16 and 17 to 32 will play off in a round of 32 playoff to see who goes into the round of 16 so a little bit of nostalgia to, and there's also a lot of you could say curiosity to see how this is going to go because it's worked so well for so long so it's going to be very very interesting to see how how this new format goes and you know now if you finish 3rd in your group in the Champions League or in the Europa League, you drop down to the league below. So the teams who finished third uh, in the Champions League in their group, say Galatasaray over Manchester United, they will drop into the Europa League and the teams who finished third in the Europa League will drop into the Conference League. That's not going to occur from next season on, which which I think is a good thing.
1: Man, did the person who designed the finals in the BBL get over and get into the round ball game? Because that oh, sounds right. complicated. you are got to have eliminators and elevators. and <laughs>
0: Boz, if you can understand all of that, which you articulated very well, you will easily make yeah. the West
2: Tigers board. Mate, thank you very much. <laughs> well, you guys, like you said, you guys understand. It's quite it's simple. Yes. It's just going to be a whole... Like, think think about the Cricket World Cup, right? Yep. So in the end, there was a massive league table. So just expand that table to 32 teams. Yes. And like I said, one to eight, straight into the round of 16. Instead of, instead of in the Cricket World Cup, we had the semi finals, right? The four, right? Yep. And then... That the the next the next eight teams, so that will be what? That's like nine to 16s, will play 17 to 32, two-legged playoff. That'll be the round of 32. Winners of those legs will then go into the round of 16, and then that's all the same, round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, final. Yep. So I think Cricket World Cup on an expanded basis.
0: Too easy. Too easy. Wow. Yep. Uh, good on you, Boz. Thanks so much, mate. As we said, the pool stage of the UEFA Champions League wraps up tomorrow. Uh, 4.55am, daylight savings time. Every match is exclusive and ad-free, live and on demand. The great Bozza, thank you so much, mate.
2: Take care, gentlemen.
0: There he is, uh, Mark Bosnich. You can catch four Premier League games every week on SEN as well. But That's Stan Sport, who have got you covered for the UEFA Champions League, which wraps up tomorrow.